This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter coming to you from Pueblo, Colorado today. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 29th, episode 1769. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you. And I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pueblo, Colorado, Tara. Yes, Pueblo, Colorado. We're here for um, AQHA Ranch Horse Versatility and Ranching Heritage Show for the next three days. Well, terrific. And Pueblo is so beautiful. It's so beautiful it, out there. I know. It really is. The whole drive was pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a nice drive from your place there. It's actually not that far from New Mexico, relatively speaking, right? No, it's about six hours, yeah. which isn't too bad. No, for you guys, that's a short haul. <laughs> yeah. there There is one route. There's like three routes you can take to get here. And there is one route that's the shortest, but you never want to take it because you get there and there's this huge, bill, it's billboard size. It says rough road next 45 miles. And they mean it. <laughs> they mean it. Okay. Usually it says rough road next 100 yards or next mile. No. <laughs> No, the whole thing. And I did it one time and I thought, it can't be that bad. It was awful. <laughs> I'm not trailer? I'm Yeah, I'm not sure what parts fell off the truck or the trailer, but we did not return that. Four horses. They were probably exhausted by the time they got uh, through that. It was. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Tara is here. This is the Western episode. She is here once a month. We're a week late this month because I yeah. traveled last week, but we had five week months, so it worked out. Um, and, and she is here the last Tuesday of the month, usually. And Jennifer's going to tell us what's coming up on today's Western episode. Coming up on today's Western episode, brought to you by Horseware. Following a good to know when your farm is flooding opening chit chat and PSA, we're going to chat with Heidi Harriet, trick trainer, and do a little catching up there. And then it's time to cook with our cowgirl in the kitchen with Jill Stanford. And at the finish, Emily Kitching is going to introduce us to Eclectic Horseman Magazine. So stay tuned for the fray. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Daily Winnie time. My Daily Winnie goes out to one of our great listeners, Mary Calkins. Uh She sent us an email yesterday on Monday. We had mentioned that we have a lot of listeners down in the flooding area and in, in Texas in general. And she apparently had to evacuate her house uh, 
and they, you know, they, she evacuated with the animals and her husband stayed behind. And then they heard it was going to be a hurricane four, uh, you know, when it, they ramped it up quickly and they were kind of shocked about that. So she spent the night exhausted after she evacuated and couldn't get to sleep. You know how your mind always goes. And then she says horses in the morning popped in her head. All the episodes are already downloaded. So she doesn't use her data up. She picked a Friday episode with really bad ads and giggled her way to sleep. She said, I'm not <laughs> saying you guys put me to sleep, but you really helped me get through a stress time, And for that, I'm grateful. I really enjoy the show and have been listening for many years. Well, Mary, I'm glad we could help, you know, help in such a small way. Uh, she did follow up and say that her house is still there. They had a leak in the roof and everything, but they did not get flooded. So like, she's one of the lucky ones, I think. Uh, but thank you so much for letting us know, Mary. And we're thinking the best for you and your family and your pets coming up. My daily Winnie goes out to Misty Johnson. She's a friend of ours who's down in Houston and she's in the horse world, but she's also in, uh, they do some offset stuff for customs for cars, but they are going out in boats and helping people get out of their homes. And anyway, so my daily Winnie goes out to Misty who's out there in the trenches. So I just read that the Cajun Navy has arrived. Uh, that's oh. all, that's all the Cajuns out of Louisiana have loaded up their boats and headed down. Yeah. Um, they yeah. were, they apparently were shot at by looters yesterday. I read this morning. What? Yeah. What? The looters, looting's becoming a problem. They've called up another like a thousand or 2000 national guard to deal with that situation. Uh, that's when I was reading some of the articles. I thought, you know, I've sort of forgot that that part happens now. All these people yes. are out of their homes, and then there's basically scavengers who've now taking advantage of it. So. Well, and that, I think that's another reason people are hesitant to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't help, and you know, to be I, I do think that the come on people, the state of Texas is <sighs> calling in every resource they can get, and the federal government seems to be sending in a ton. But uh, did you see? Well, we'll talk about the flooding here for a little bit, and obviously our best and wishes to everybody down there. Uh, of course, the thing that really made international news was the cattle drive right through the town of Dayton. <laughs> yeah, two two hundred cattle. It it says al- rising alligator infested waters. I'm not sure about that, but I did see that there's some. Oh no, they're having alligator. problems with alligators showing up everywhere now. And, well, and I saw somewhere some alligator sanctuary is like a foot from going yes. over the fences. And they have two hundred. No! Oh my god! And the two big ones, apparently, daddy. The two daddies they have, they've locked in a container. Because they just don't want the two daddies getting. Because <laughs> apparently they're like 20 feet long or something. Huge. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so this cattle drive, they went 70 miles from a ranch in Dayton. Apparently, they're, they're, they had their 18 acres of dry land had dwindled down to 50. And they knew they wanted to get the cattle out. So a group of cowboys, along with the police, police escorts, herded them 70 miles, swimming through waters and crossing highways and... And this whole thing till they got him to safety. But it was quite a sight and, and drew some spectators. There were a lot of pictures. And that, that hit the international news. That was yeah. in the Daily have, Mail. <laughs> have you guys, have y'all swam horses before? Like you've been horseback Jennifer swimming has. a horse? Yeah. I have, yeah. Um, it's not easy. I mean, it. No. you kind of have to go <laughs> where they're going. And then, so I can't imagine, you know, a mob of cattle and you're trying to get in front of them on your horse. And I just... Yeah. Well, it's, um, Chan- I can't, Do you know I, Chance Ward? Did you see that video? That went viral yesterday. 
Uh, did yes, you see I it? didn't. I I don't know him, but I saw it, and and I was thinking about it because he went in, and there was this horse in a round pin, and he, you know, he had to. It was a stud horse, and so he had to put a rope over the horse, and and he was over the horse's back, neck. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was horseback, and then trying to open the gate to the round pin. You know, it was hard to just even get the gate open for the horse to come out. And then as they were riding away, well, I got to think. That, that water was moving, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to thinking about the fact that, you know, if, if you were to ride into our place, <clears throat> we have, you know, we have the arena drag and we have, you know, like obstacles uh, on the ground. Yeah, and there's all that. this stuff that, you know, you wouldn't even know what you're riding over. And I think he was with his dad and his dad's like, see that water hose over there? Don't ride over that way because you might get tangled up in the hose. And I just can't even imagine the hazards of just going in because they weren't actually swimming. I mean, but they were almost swimming. Were, it they was up that. to the bottom of the saddle. <laughs> yeah, <enough>. easily. <laughs> So it would be a huge hazard just for your own animals to go in and try to help save some of those other animals. So we got, uh, I was um, just looking, that video now has 5.8 million views. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was shared 136,000 times. so dangerous times. what he's doing right now. Yeah, it is wow. dangerous. I was just watching it again and, uh, well, but he got the horse out. Yeah. He did get the, there's been so many rescues of horses and, and everything else going on right now. I know the one, uh, do you know Gordon? Uh, you had sent me that one, the the rescue where they uh, had to go in and get some horses out that were left behind. I don't. My my friend Laura Rogers, she's she's really well connected in the horse industry, and she just started sending me links. She's like, "Look at this guy! Look at this guy!" And yeah, these these guys went in. They were able. They had to go into a barn. They had cows and calves in stalls in a barn and I, so, the water was literally up to the top of the boards of the stalls and you saw heads sticking out yeah that was it that was all you could see and so for them to be able to get in and get and them say, out and they rescued what three horses one cow and her calf two additional calves and one chicken see the chicken's chicken, smart yeah. enough they get up high <laughs> they're gonna go up as high as they can go right they're gonna be on the roof yeah. if they have to <laughs> Yeah. Well, they can, right? I right, mean, they, exactly. have the, they have the physical ability. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but, you know, and one thing that uh, they were talking about, Gordon was saying in his post, is how tired the animals were. And, you know, after we swim yeah. the horses, they really are tired. And it's just, for us, a little recreational type deal. And, you know, we're really taking care of their confidence. So this is, you know, this is definitely a stressful situation. So emotional fatigue, much less physical fatigue for these animals. And, you know, they say if you read this post and they are your animals, why didn't you get in touch with somebody that could help you? Instead, you choose to do nothing and let these defensive animals a, to die a horrible death. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to judge. I don't know what the situation was with these people. Who knows? You know, right. maybe they were in Europe. You know, we don't know. We don't know what the story yeah. was. Uh, but uh, So I'm not going to judge that. I, I will say that he, w there's a lot of talk about pets in this particular time, right, on the news. Right. And I worked with the Red Cross for 10 years and did did several, uh, several, you know, rescues and we tornadoes and things like that and floods. And what the problem is the Red Cross will not take the pets. You can't bring the pets into the shelter. They usually have some kind of arrangement set up with the SBCA or somebody that they come and get the pets. But what happened in Katrina was many people stayed behind and died because they didn't want to leave their pets. They had no place to go with the pets, so they didn't want to leave their pets. They stayed behind and died. So they changed the, the laws after that. But the Red Cross still won't allow a pet into the center. 
right? So, you know, into the place where everybody's staying, they're not going to allow a pet. And that's for safety reasons, it's for health reasons, it's for sanitation reasons, and, you know, you got 7,000 people in there, the last thing you need is 40,000 pets, right? Yeah, and not everybody's dog is well-mannered. Exactly, exactly. So you got all kinds of problems. Uh, I mean, there's enough, believe me, we had enough problems with people in there. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, So the shelters are set up for people. And the problem is when it happens initially and the Red Cross gets set up, and I've been on a couple of them where we were the first ones in to get them set up, you you don't, the, the, the pet people are not there yet. So when your first waves of people start coming in with the pets, it's a problem. And they're mm-hmm. trying to remedy the problem by working closer with the with the pet people to get them there sooner and get them mm-hmm. geared up sooner. Uh, but I think, you know, I think this one surprised everybody a little bit in, in, in how bad it really was. Uh, you know, they were saying, okay, a one or a two, and then it was a three and a four, and then it hung around for a week. You know, so that's, I think, where the big problem came in. And, and yeah. they're trying to remedy it, and I think they are getting better. I know that a lot of them, uh, I wish the stadium, they were using one of the stadiums down there that they had used during Katrina, and a lot of people showed up with their pets, and they, they had to wait outside until the, till the pet people got there with the crates and all that stuff. So, I, you know, it's, I don't know what you do. I really don't know if there is a good solution to that problem other than, you know, if obviously if you have horses, you have to find a place to go with them, and you have to make as many calls as you need to to get the horses out. With small animals, just regular people with small animals, I, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, you bring them along you can, and figure it out, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Now, they did. Yeah, they, I mean, you, they used to instruct people. Hold that thought. They used to instruct people, and there was a lot of them that pictures, one picture that kept going around one dog tied in the yard. That's not what you were supposed to do. The instructions were leave your pets behind. This is before Katrina. Leave your pets behind, but leave them loose figuring they had a chance of surviving, right? They have a better chance than if they're locked in the house that's flooding or falling down or whatever. Uh, they at least have a chance of surviving. So that was was, were the, inst- was the instructions for 100 years. And they changed that after Katrina. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, and that's one thing that, you know, I've seen several times as some of these big storms come in is they'll take like a cattle marker and they'll write, you know, your phone number on your horses, uh, like across the body so that you can get them if they do get loose and someone finds them, that hopefully they can get them back to you. I mean, I, I guess it's if you don't have them chipped or whatever. Right. But there's, and I've also heard this though because I know it's a little bit different. Sort of a side note, but sometimes if there's horses in a barn and if the barn catches on fire and then you turn the horses loose, they will run back into the barn because that's their safety place. So in some ways, if you're going to turn them loose, you also have to make sure that your gates are shut so they don't go back into the stalls and right. stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, we're, again, we're wishing the best for everybody down there. I wanted to mention two things. I have one here. The USEF is working with the Houston SPCA uh, through the the fund that the, the uh, what is it called? The... The USEF set up a rescue. Uh, oh, USEF Equine Disaster Relief Fund. They set that up after uh, one of the major hurricanes, and it has been in existence ever since. They they are working with Hurricane Harvey uh, to put and anybody that wants to donate, they'll get it directly to the Houston SPCA. So they're working with them to make sure that they they get the money and and things. And since its inception, it has uh, raised over three hundred seventy thousand dollars for disaster relief. 
So that's all the money is used for. If you want to do that, I'll put a link on the Facebook page to the USEF Disaster Relief Fund so that uh, that happens. And then you knew about one from the Quarter Horse people, right? Yeah, Quarter Horse News, they put up a link and I'll send it to you too, Glenn, but it's it's got a listing of those who are in need so you can post there, you know, what if you ha- how many horses you have and what you need, contact information, and then below it is a list of people who are saying, "Call me if you need something." You know, here's the trailers I have, here's the numbers I have, I have space, you know, stalls, etc. So, sort of a kind of a quick p- a place to go, a one ads type deal. One of the problems they were having, I know Sammy Joe, who uh, it, it kind of she's our exotic animal person who lives down near Houston, does um, TV and movies and stuff with her zebras and all kinds of animals, and she said that she would love to help rescue and she has room at her farm, but the problem is all the roads are closed. Nobody can yes. get to the places. Get yeah. yeah, nobody can mm-hmm. get to the places where the, they need rescue. They may be dry, but they can't get out. You know, so yeah. that's that's another problem. And I think this came, you know, just dumping more rain than uh, quicker than they expected, I think. Yeah. What, what say? It's yeah, it a just thousand can't, year flood. Yeah. 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 It just can't drain as fast. I mean, it's just Houston is designed to drain, but not this much this fast. Yeah. You know, what? Uh, other things they had a problem with to get to our guest. Hold on there, Heidi. One of the other problems they had a <laughs> problem with was cruise ships. Cruise ships come in and out of Galveston. There's like a number of mm. cruise ships that come in and out of there. Well, they couldn't go home. So yeah. they've been kind of floating around in the Gulf. Uh, they had they went and resupplied in New Orleans and offered anybody that wanted to to be able to get off. Because, But remember, if you parked, your car is getting flooded right now in Houston. At the port. Ugh. So you, you're stuck. What do you do? You got to find a way home. Apparently, a lot of people stayed on the ship, figuring it'd be another couple days, and now it's like four or five days. So the ship had to go back. They, they made a second trip back to resupply uh, in New Orleans. And then w- a couple of the ships have headed over to Miami just to kick the people off. But they've been floating around for two weeks on this ship. Uh, there's like uh, 20,000 people stranded on ships, and they're they're trying to figure out what to do. Now, it's an extra long vacation, but you do you are probably thinking about your car or whatever that's, you know, floating into the ocean. Oh my god. Yeah, I know it's things you don't think about in situations like this, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. just unravels a yep. few things. Well, let's get to our next guest. We haven't talked to her in a long time. She's been on the show before, but it's been a few years, and we're going to get caught up. She is one of the best horse trainers and entertainers in the horse world, and she. we're, well, we're just going to find out what she is doing now. Heidi <laughs> Harriet. Hi, Heidi. Hi, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It's been a little while, and you've been up to a whole lot of stuff since we talked last. <laughs> yes, I stay busy. Life, uh, life on the road, and um, I'm privileged to, you know, so many of us love our horses and enjoy time with them. And you know, I'm fortunate enough to be a third generation who's been able to work with them professionally. So, and I love being on the road and traveling. So, I'm currently in Easley, South Carolina, at the Upper South Carolina State Fair. Are you getting the rain from and that we're other performing storm? With our horses there. You know, interestingly, I looked at the weather like a day and a half ago and we didn't have any rain inside and now we're up to 90%. So yeah, although it's... we're quite west, we're all the way at the western border of South Carolina. Oh, okay. We are getting, we're going to get feeder bands. So, and then I'm from the Sarasota, Florida area. And I, someone just said if Houston wasn't such a big story, they'd be talking about Southwest Florida. Why? It's also underwater. So just 
crazy, crazy. Oh, I didn't know that. Is it flooding from the storm getting pushed over? Is that what's happening? Uh, no, I don't know that if it's related to that or not, or if it's just crazy, you know, summer in Florida, we get a lot of rain, but, yeah. um, <laughs> my, some of my family down there, they're just really posting pictures of a lot of flooding and such. So, you know, keep them in mind too. And before I forget, uh, and we'll get to lighter topics, but I was, you know, listening in on your conversation about Houston and gosh, it's just tragic humans and animals. And, um, Last year, I was I was actually training for Almara Arabians, which is the fellow who owned Arabian Nights right. Dinner Theater for yep. many years, where I was the head trainer. He uh, inherited his mother's breeding farm and had moved it to Florida. So we had a hurricane, um, kind of a near miss last year. But I posted a little video on my YouTube page because I'm around horse people a lot, of course, and do a lot of clinics and that. And I, I find people tend to go from their box stalls to their maybe a horse show where you're again at box stalls. I live in a non-traditional environment where my horses have to be ready for everything. But I think it's short-sighted not to not to consider all the things that could come your way. And as we know, as horse owners, that means everything, you know. Um, so I would encourage people along the way, don't wait for the emergency to teach your horses to tie and introduce them to scenarios, role play, you know, help them get over their fears. And you do that as a leader by establishing confidence with them. And, um, so, you know, people say, well, I don't have to tie my horse or it's not a problem. I don't know about you, but I break down on the side of the road once at a blue moon and I've had to unload my horses and God bless them. They're so conditioned to unique environments that it doesn't phase them. It's, they just look around and say, where are we now? So, you know, do as much as you can to get your horse comfortable with, with unique situations. Don't be short-sighted because you just never know when you're going to need to do something different with them and that make sure they're comfortable with it, you know, to the extent possible. And there are many ways you could do that. And people can reach out to me and, and ask me more about that. And there are other great resources, but I just wanted to say that because I just find people tend to be a bit short-sighted and their world is a certain way, but you never know when that's going to change. And the best thing you can do for your animals and frankly, your children is to, to give them resources to be comfortable with whatever's coming at them to kind of be resourceful and help think through it, you know, and not lose their mind. I think that's so, where farm kids have a huge advantage, right, Terrace? Farm kids have a huge advantage because they're, oh, they, yeah. they're getting all kinds of crap thrown at them all, literally, in, most, in some cases. But <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. true. Well, and that, I grew up in the well, circus, and, you know, there's a lot of negatives about the circus, but I can tell you firsthand, I grew up with elephants and horses, camels, llamas, zebras. It was a fairy tale wonderland. And we, our animals, mm. just like, I always say, we're just like farmers. The animals come first. And, but our animals are conditioned to so much. They breed better. They're stimulated. They're mentally and physically stimulated. And um, so, you know, we were lucky and farmers too. They're, those animals are seeing a lot of stuff and we kind of just get help them get over it. You know, we don't, we don't coddle them to the point that we paralyze them when something does happen to them. So yeah. yeah. Good point. God bless yeah. farmers. We love farmers. <laughs> and, and, you know, trailering is another thing. We're living in a neighborhood with 400 little farms and most of these horses haven't gone anywhere in 25 years. So, yeah. you know, they yeah. haven't been trailered and they haven't practiced trailering. And, it, you know, that's another place you get into trouble too, if you have to get them out quick. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. All right. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, yeah, before we run out of time, yeah. let's talk about you. What are you up to? 
So I'm, I'm uh, working with my daughter. She just graduated from college with a PR degree, and she decided she wanted to come back on the road and work with the horses. And we've added an aerial show to our, um, we call ourselves the Rhinestone Cowgirls and our trick horses. And so we do fairs. We travel wait around right now. And do you have the horses in the? Are the horses in the aerial show? Are they like on the track? No, no. Oh, okay. my my daughter my daughter does the aerial, but we're incorporating where she's going to come out on a horse and do a nice emotional little number, and then go up into the air, which oh, okay. is what I did when I was younger. I've since retired from the aerial part. How cool and, is that um, to have your daughter so we, doing that with you? That's got to be pretty it's cool. So awesome. It's fantastic. It just doesn't get better. I get to do what I love and travel and tour and we have performing horses i just bought i uh had a mishap earlier this year and i lost my beautiful horse lady dancer and um still kind of reeling from that she uh just a really bad colic that didn't get caught an overnight colic and um as horse owners we know you know the trials and tribulations of that so i'd had her for 10 years and she was my dancing partner and we were we worked all over together from Ringling Brothers to Arabian Nights. And uh, so I just, um, it's taken me a while and I just purchased an Andalusian stallion who I'm going to incorporate into the show. So uh, we're excited. I still have Lucky Star, the little trick horse who's been on America's Got Talent and done lots of stuff. And uh, so we get, we love what we do and um, we'll probably be doing a lot of the same next year and some horse expos along the way as well. And I still do private training down in Florida in the winters and, um, you know, just having a lot of fun with it, really enjoying it and uh, enjoy help. You know, I really enjoy helping people find a new way to deal with their horse. I have a lot of videos on my YouTube page, Horse Tricks Online, that's with an X. And um, they're free videos, teaching them to smile and, and say yes and no and do liberty work. Because I find as women, particularly the ladies get older, and I'm in that category. You get a little bit more tentative. Maybe the fellows too. I can't speak to that. But so I'm introducing ways for you to have fun with your horse and interact with them. If you don't want to ride anymore, you're getting more fearful, or frankly, just want a better ride because round penning and liberty work only creates a better scenario with your horse and you get a better ride. So lots of free resources that don't break the bank. And then if you want to take it to the next level, I'm happy to help you do that. So when you travel to these places with, where you're going to do your aerial setup. Do you travel with your own like trusses or do you have to make sure we travel with everything? We travel with our own stalls, our own tent, our own arena setup, our ring, our lights, our sound system, our aerial rigging, all of it. We have a big motor home and we have a trailer and a pickup truck and, um, we go down the highway free and easy down the road. We go, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, we carry everything. We're a self-contained show. They only supply us power and uh, water, and um, hmm. it's, we have everything. So it's a and lot of ab- work. What about like I can see for on sure. your website the I don't know if you call it a ring uh, for part of your aerial act. Is there anything? Do you have to take any special approach to getting the horses? used to that? I mean, I know for a rider, you know, they're used to someone up there, but is there any additional things that you have to do to prepare your horse for the aerial act? Well, here's the thing. Here's what we do. When I start any horse, I just put a really, really strong, solid foundation on them. It gives me something to build upon. So then I introducing them to, to new things and unique things. 
So we were fortunate to be on circuses occasionally working. I did a beautiful little circus in St. Louis this uh, June, and we were able to drop the aerial rigging right down into the ring, and we brought the horses in, and actually the horse walked right up to my daughter um, and, you know, stiffed her hand, and she was able to hold on to his halter, and he walked around in a circle. And some will be a little bit more tentative, but again, we choose the horses not for their breed, but for their personality. Mm-hmm. right? Because we're looking for the ones, it's like if you're the drama teacher, you're looking for the kids that come out there and, uh, you know, are, are comfortable. You're not, it's so great to help the other ones along as well. And we do that, but yeah, they, they adapt to it pretty quickly. And um, again, I, I truly believe it starts with a really, really strong foundation and an attitude you portray to the horse that says, we got this, we're okay. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. If you stay with me and you pay attention, we're going to be fine. And um, that's how I approach the beginning of my horse training. And it's worked well for me in a lot of crazy circumstances. We're right next to a kitty ride here at the fair, a, a little kitty version of the Himalaya. And um, I do have a new horse. As I said, Lady Dancer, unfortunately, is not with me. And so I'm using a horse of my sisters. I have three sisters who are all trainers. And I let him go out and look at it. And then I was like, okay, let's go to work. And he hasn't looked at it once again, you know, so I'm really yeah. proud of him. And so that's how, that's how we go about it is just starting with a great foundation. And then it's how we approach. If we tell them to be scared, they will be scared, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. we, we stand with confidence. I always tell people it starts with keeping your chest up, believe it or not. If you keep yeah. your chest up a little bit, it helps to give a little bit of confidence to the horse. And then we, we build from there. It's all building blocks. Well, and you're teaching them to be like puzzle solvers, thinkers, and listen to you when, yes. when in doubt, what, you know, check in with, check yeah, in with Yeah, we, we want them to think. <laughs> yeah, we want them to think. And then, you know, you'll see in the early stages, they'll look to you for confirmation. And that's when you give it to them, that's when you start building a really, really cool horse with a great foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And again, I'm just, so I want to let you know, we go from here to Amarillo, Texas. We have a nice big jump across the country, but we love seeing the country. And we'll be at the Tri-State Fair and Rodeo with our Rhinestone Cowgirl show for nine days. So if you're anywhere in that area, come out and see us. And then I have yeah, a clinic in Waxahachie, Texas, which is mm-hmm. south of Dallas on September 30th, a trick and liberty clinic. I'm going back to a gal's place uh, that I'd been before. Stacy Carpenter has four C stables there. So we're going to have a lot of fun. So those are all on my website, HeidiHarriet.com or the Rhinestone Cowgirls. They both point to my website. Trevor, Trevor and I are headed to Amarillo. Well, we live near there, but we're going to this, this show that we're at in Pueblo. We're going to be in Amarillo. So we're going to come see you. That'll be awesome. Oh, fantastic. How fun. Yeah. We're excited because it's a rodeo as well there. So, uh, Yep, we'll we'll be there in mid-September, the Tri-State Fair and Rodeo. So absolutely, come and visit us. That would be so much fun. Yeah, awesome. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for joining us. It's HeidiHarriet.com. We'll put a link to that in our show notes as well, and we'll post a link over on our Facebook page. And good luck. You know, I'm glad to see you still on the road. I know that this is something you love to do, and being an entertainer, I know once you stop, you just miss it so much. So I'm glad that your daughter's with you and you get to do it together. Yeah, thank you. I'm just privileged to do it and uh, love to meet folks across the country. We have a great country. And it's a lot of fun to uh, visit places. So, 
Well, good luck. That's great. Thank we'll keep you in so touch. much. We'll come yeah. back. We'll have you back sooner next okay. time, okay? I promise. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I always Heidi. enjoy it. All right. Bye. All right. Stay safe in Houston and all the other places. Thank you. She did make a good point when it comes to uh, training, right? I mean, she made oh, a good yeah. point. It's funny. But, Go ahead. Like the habits, you know, the, the habits and skills that we need every day, we tend to take those for granted. You know, like, I mean, just our horse kind of pushing into us a little or something like that. You know, those those show up bigger and more magnified in, in we got to situations. So, you yeah, know, someone like that, they, they practice all the time loading and unloading, but there's no need, like you say, at the small farm. But when you need it, you wish you'd been practicing it. Leslie, who we had on yesterday, who rode the Mongol Derby. <clears throat> um, she, yes. she said one of the skills she learned over there was hobbling. She's an inventor. She had never learned to hobble. Oh, that's yeah. That's something she'd mm-hmm. ever done. And I bet you, you know, three quarters of our audience haven't. But she said, now I know how. You know, now I know yeah. what it's all about. And, yet, you know, again, a situation where if you needed an emergency, it's there, right? That's uh, right. To do it safely. <laughs> Well, we, don't, I, we don't have a lot of trees, so we're familiar with hobbling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't have much to tie to out there. We're not quite the step, yeah. but... <laughs> you know, tie him to a cactus with points doesn't work very well, does it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It never ends well. Well, <laughs> yeah. I had a chance uh, while I was at Ada a couple of weeks ago to catch up with the good folks over at Horseware, and we had an opportunity to talk about one of their Western blankets. So let's take a listen to that. And we'll be right back. We have... Jill Stanford coming up with Cowgirl in the Kitchen. We're going to be talking about Cowgirl's Garden Summer Pie. I don't know if that's sweet or savory. I don't know what it is. We'll find out in a minute. From Horseware, we are at the trade show, and I asked her a question. Horseware is really known for blankets and really well-known, and we use them all the time on the English side, but what do you have that fits that hard-to-fit, you know, quarter horse, the Western quarter horse? Our top seller into the Western market is our Bravo 12 Plus Medium. And the medium weight is a 250 gram fill. It comes with a hood that is detachable. Um, and it's a 1200 denier material. So I know that one of the things that's really important on the Western side is to have the hood, too. And I, the no hood. No fuzzy necks, please. No fuzzy necks, that's right. And the hood kind of attaches in a different way than most hoods. This is pretty cool. The hood attachment is to minimize any sort of rubbing. So the hook is on the inside of the rug, and then the attachment on the hood is a Velcro. No snaps. No No snaps, snaps. right. So it eliminates the rubbing on the neck. It eliminates rubbing, and it's so important to actually keep that neck covered. Uh, You spend so much time trying to put condition on that neck. It's a huge, big muscle, and during the colder weather, you're defeating the purpose of having put that that effort into maintaining that muscle if you don't have the hood on. Very good, and of course it has the quality, and that's why I wanted to bring this up, because horseware has such quality, lasts such a long time, that I'm really glad to see there's something for the Western market now with that quality. Absolutely. Our, our pattern is fantastic. The fit, the functionality, it, our blankets... And it just lasts a long time. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And the other beauty with our rugs, they are actually crafted so that they don't need leg straps. So when you look at the graphics that we have in our magazines or on our website, you'll see horses at standing, um, trotting, galloping, um, and the, horse, the blanket is designed so that it stays in place and there's no slippage. 
Very good. Glenn loves that there's no leg straps. I love that. Yes. Horse husband approved. So now where can people find out more about the uh, Horsewear line of blanket? We have a website that gives a comprehensive um, information on all the sizes, colors, um, and options that are available, and that is horsewear.com. And it also ha- yeah, it makes it really easy to find out your size and to do all of that on there. I've been on there many times. Horsewear.com. We appreciate Horseware for their continued support. You can also find all kinds of information on their Facebook page. Just search for Horseware and you will find it. Well, we are now ready to head over to Jill. And Jill, of course, joins us once a month. She is cowgirl in the kitchen with our recipe. Hi, Jill. Good morning, Glenn. Good Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Tara. Good morning, Jill. We're excited to hear about your cowgirl's garden summer pie. I, I read the well, first boy. ingredient and I'm ready. <laughs> Was it chocolate? Was the first uh, ingredient no. chocolate? No? No, oh. uh, Glenn, I'm sorry to tell you there's no chocolate in this one, but oh. I can tell you it's a really good one. I'd like to back up just a little bit and tell you that this all happened because of a reader of my books as well as a listener to this. Her name is Alicia Hartley. And she wrote to me on my uh, Facebook page, The Cowgirl in the Kitchen, and she said this, I just wanted to say that I bought Jill Stanford Cowgirls in the Kitchen Cookbook, and I'm really loving it. I'm not a cook by any means, but I really enjoy trying the different recipes. I appreciate the simple steps of most so far. I also really love reading it just as a book with all her tales and tips. P.S. Watermelon Ice is wonderful for a hot day. (laughs) I was thrilled that she wrote to me and she went on to say, did I have a suggestion for her anniversary, which I think, Alicia, I think your anniversary was two weeks ago. And I had every intention of, I know, well, you know, who said life is what happens when you're busy making other plans? (laughs) <laughs> it happened here again. I, I apparently live in a very exciting part of the world. I was going to tie her anniversary and wish her a happy ber- anniversary, and I still do, in with the recipe that I was going to do. However, we developed a major forest fire four miles away from Sisters, and mm-hmm. I live in Sisters. And we were under evacuation, so everything got completely um, put aside while I figured out, you know, what am I going to take when I have to leave? Well, the dog, of course, I won't go into that, but the fire is pretty much under control. Now there's a lot of smoke. So I wasn't able to do an original thing, but I had promised her that I would say her name on the radio and I've done that. So I thought, well, now what am I going to do? And I came up with the cowgirl garden summer pie. I think it's awfully good. If you had a garden, and just about everybody I know does, or if you go to your local farmer's market, there are some pretty wonderful and tasty things that you can buy there. I'm also pretty sure that you have a box of Bisquick in your pantry. I hope you do, because I use it all the time. So here we go. And this recipe is posted with a picture on my website, the cowgirl, not my Facebook page, the cowgirl in the kitchen. So let's start with the crust. You use one and a half cups of original Bisquick mix, 
a fourth of a cup, quarter of a cup, soft butter, and three tablespoons of boiling water. Heat the oven to 375. In a medium bowl, mix the bisquick and the butter with a fork until it's a crumble. Add the boiling water and stir with the fork and then your hands until a dough forms in a ball. Add a little more water if it isn't soft enough. Press this into a 9-inch glass or ceramic pie plate until it's evenly distributed on the bottom and up the sides of the dish. Flute the edges, which mainly just means make it pretty on the top. (laughs) Place in the freezer for 15 minutes and then bake it at 375 for 8 to 10 minutes. Let it cool and put it aside. Then you're going to make a little spread. You're going to take a quarter of a cup of mayonnaise mixed with two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, or I have a little bottle of lemon juice in my icebox at all times, one cup of grated cheddar cheese, a tablespoon of chopped parsley, and if you like an herb, a tablespoon of chopped fresh or dried basil, a little salt and pepper to taste. Now you're going to make the pie filling. You've still got the oven going at 375 degrees. You're going to take three large beefsteak tomatoes. Boy, do I love beefsteak tomatoes. That's about two pounds. Cut them about a quarter of an inch thick. Then I want you to take about four slices of bacon, and I want you to fry those up until they're crisp. Save the drippings, because into that you're going to put one cup of a Vidalia or a Walla Walla sweet onion, rough chopped, saute them in a small amount of that grease until they start to brown. Then I want you to put a cup of yellow or white corn. Fresh is best for this because it's a summer pie, but if you don't have, uh, if if the corn didn't tassel out, you can use frozen one cup. Cut the ear off the corn, of course, measure and set that aside. You can substitute or add zucchini here. Just cut into rounds and swirl them around. Two tablespoons of chopped green onions, and then you've got the bacon, which you're going to wind up with about a half a cup. I know, doesn't it sound I knew there had um, to be meat in here somewhere. I was waiting. <laughs> well, it had to be bacon. Uh, well, if it's if now, there isn't bacon... Jamie we, can leave it well, out, we, right? We can't talk. Yeah, yeah. Jamie can leave yeah. it out if she wants. Uh, you know, leave That's out the good right. stuff. That's right. You can leave any of this out if you want. Change the whole thing and tell me what you did. One person used jalapeno peppers. Holy smoke. <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty good, you know? Okay, so you take that pre-baked cool pie crust Brush the bottom of the crust with a little bit of that mayonnaise spread. Then you arrange the tomatoes in a layer on the bottom of the crust. Now, you've got enough tomatoes that you'll have more than once you cover the bottom. Don't worry. There's going to be a use for them a little bit later. Sprinkle the onions and the corn and whatever else you want on the tomatoes. Add a little salt and pepper as you go along so that you've arranged this whole interior of the pie with vegetables, any kind of vegetable you want. The tomatoes are important. I think the onion is important, but then you can go ahead with some zucchini or jalapenos or something like that. Then you put dollops of that mayo mix on the top of all those vegetables and spread that on the top. Finally, you arrange the rest of the tomatoes on top of that spread, sprinkle the bacon bits, the remaining grated cheddar cheese, 
and the green onions. You bake this pie in the middle of the oven for 40 to 45 minutes. At 30 minutes, if the crust is browning up too much, you can cover it lightly with a tin foil uh, top and continue until it's hot and bubbly. You have to let this cool for 15 minutes. It can be enjoyed hot or at room temperature. And here's another variation. Um, omit the bacon, I say leave it in, and add a cup <laughs> of cooked chicken cubes after the vegetables and continue on with the recipe. You can also make a sour cream dill topping, which is self-explanatory, isn't it? If you have some sour cream, put a little dill weed into it, you know, the dried, that I hope you have in your pantry because I like dill a lot. And to taste, just keep mixing dill and tasting, and then you can add that. This pie is very good cold the next day for lunch. So there you go. It is a meal in itself. You do not have to have anything else unless, of course, you've got a steak going on the grill and then you've got the pie to go along with it. So there you are, Alicia. I hope maybe for your next anniversary, maybe you'll make this pretty Cowgirls Garden Summer Pie. I've never made anything Any questions? Like How about you, Terry? You made anything you've like never. Well, I can't say I've ever made anything like it, but <laughs> I have. Tre- yeah, Tre- Trevor loves chicken pot pie, so it okay. seems a little similar. I mean, not quite, it but it is. It is is a little similar. And somebody else said it's very much like a cowgirl's quiche, and it is. Yeah. You know, quiche is is very um, uh, very sophisticated. This yeah. is not a sophisticated pie by any means I mean you know you've got vegetables and all kinds of stuff in it and um, it's not sophisticated but by God it's good everybody loves it I used to make this all the time and I know my sister makes it all the time as well in fact she's the one that took the picture that's on the on the Facebook page the cowgirl in the kitchen she mm. likes it too she doesn't have a garden anymore she did but now she does everything with the farmers market Hey, did I see you were going to be on TV or you were on TV? Um, not recently. Not recently, okay. We were, both on, we were both on television a couple of months ago in Portland. Uh, we walked through the studios of Channel 6 in Portland. I think it's an NBC affiliate for an afternoon program that they've got. And we, we walked through the lobby, of course, in fringe jackets, and you should have seen the stares we were getting from the people in Portland. You can see they were, you know, what in the world is this? And the hostess wasn't entirely certain what to do with us, but we had such a good time that we're going back. Oh, wow. We'll be back on in October. Of course. Because um, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> and you know we what? Demonstrated a recipe, and it was a lot of fun. You do a great oh, job cool. of explaining the recipes. You paint a picture instead of just reading a recipe. You kind of paint a picture, which is why we keep having you back because you're so good at it. But you do do a good job of that, and that's hard because if it was me doing it, I'd be just reading a recipe. Uh, it's because she's. It's because she's cooked it. She knows. Like, I love when you're reading your recipe. Oh, and oh, by the way, you'll have the bacon going right now. And I can just mm-hmm. picture myself in the kitchen be like, oh, yeah, I got to get that bacon. Oh, I got to get that bacon going. Jill's been the there. Bacon. She's done yeah. it. And yeah. I picture myself yeah, going, yeah. oh, damn, what was that I was supposed to put in there half an hour yeah. ago? Ah, it's a bacon. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's years and years and years of having to cook. On, usually on the fly because, you know, usually mm-hmm. I had, I still had to go out and unhitch the horse trailer or 
I we had to have dinner and then I had to go out and, you know, feed. There isn't a whole lot of time and you have to know how to get it all done. Well, it's like anything, isn't it? I have to say I was giggling when you said that uh, the eventers don't know how to hobble their horses. <laughs> I just thought that was a great statement. I think that, you know, if you're, I don't care what discipline you're training for. I think you have to teach them to ground drive. You have to teach them to pull something, you know, to know what it's like to have to pull something uh, hobble, have tarps thrown on them so that, you know, if you're even riding, you know, an American saddlebred in the arena, if a piece of paper flies into the arena, they all go to pieces because they've never been taken out and shown what real life really is. They, horses need to learn how to cope, whatever discipline you're doing. And I really believe, so when you, you said about hobbling, I always hobbled my horses or if we were camping, um, we could high tie, you know, we could do the line. We could do that. And the young horses, they hated it. They Are you kidding? It. Scooter, if I tried to do that, he'd be he'd be tearing the tree down. I mean, it would be, well, I know it. he'd get I know bored it, in about 10 they, minutes and that'd be it. I'd be yeah, done. Yeah. But yeah. if you do your, do your homework and do it for, you know, five minutes, good boy, good boy. Okay, I'm going to send him out. I'm sending him, shipping him across the country. Send him out. All right. He is cute. Oh, I love him. (laughs) Yeah, but the cute ones are always little devils. Right, Tara? (laughs) That's true. That's true. The ponies, the ponies. The ponies are the worst. Joe, we have to run. Thank you so much for joining us again. Tell everybody where they can get the book I enjoyed it as usual. And Alicia, that was for you. And you can get this book on my website, jillcharlotte.com. You can go to Amazon and you can get The Cowgirls in the Kitchen or you can read my Facebook page, The Cowgirl in the Kitchen. I wish everybody and especially Texas and Louisiana a safer day today. Love you you all. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jill. Okay, you can't get any sweeter than that right there. (laughs) You just can't. (laughs) And I hear the baby. Did I hear the baby in the background? You did. I have to mute right quick. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. I'll do the. I'll talk about the shoulder relief cinch by Total Total Saddle Fit. You know, for years on the dressage show, we have been talking about the shoulder relief girth and. You know, recent Philip use them every day. They use them all the time. Well, recently they could total saddle fit came out with the shoulder relief cinch. That's right. It has the same concept as the shoulder relief girth, only for Western saddles. It improves the saddle fit and the horse's comfort. And that's what recent Philip have found because the center of the cinch sits on your horse's natural girth groove while the sides are set back to attach uh, to the latigos further back and prevent the saddle from being pulled into the shoulders, which prevents that pressure point. And it works kind of the same way for the English saddles as well. And the unique shape has a special cutouts that allow elbow clearance so that you don't have your elbow rubs. You're going to get a lot less rubs with this cinch as well. And the really cool thing about it is it uses an interchangeable liner system. So one cinch can be used with, with the limestone neoprene, 
with wool felt or wool fleece, and you can easily clean them, take them off. So you can switch them out depending on the horse and what which if a horse has certain needs or you want you want the wool on one horse, you want the neoprene on another, you can do that. So uh, you know, and you can purchase those additional liners separately so that you have the whole kit there. So this is the top selling cinch on multiple large online retailers. You can find it at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. You need to go there to see how it is cut. You're going to see why it's different. He has very good charts on there. He has very good diagrams. Watch the videos. And I think you're going to get an idea why this is becoming so popular, uh, why it's been so popular in English side and now becoming so popular on the Western side. It's because it is different and it does relieve some of the problems that you have with a regular straight girth. Check it out. It's called the Sodal Shoulder. It's called the Shoulder Relief Cinch. <laughs> Can't say that. By Total Saddle Fit. Total Saddle Fit. Dot com. Well, I thought for our song today, while while Tara's dealing with babies, I thought for our song today that we would uh, play, and this is in honor of everybody in Texas right now, uh, Guardian Angel by Templeton Thompson. We'll be right back, everybody. She could have passed for a cowboy The way she carried herself And that 50 pounds of leather Put it up on that pony Light as a feather like she'd done it all her life And she asked if I was ready Handing me the reins And we started out walking Up until that morning She hadn't been much on talking Guess it finally come a time And she said I've learned more From the back of a horse Than most folks ever get to know you never really know what you're made of Till you ride out on your own Ooh, baby, don't I know you're gonna be just fine And ooh, now don't be in a hurry You feel it when you hit your stride So don't get right Sit deep in the saddle Then your guardian angel can fly I remember what she told me It's as clear as a bell As it was on that morning It was kind of like a blessing and a warning I've carried all this time I'll pass it on to my daughter she loads up her car, heads out of the driveway She'll have had enough of doing things my way It'll be her turn to fly And I'll say, I've learned more from the back of a horse Than most folks ever get to know You never really know what you made of Till you're right out on your own Sad. Remember to hold on tight And 
Thompson. You can find all of her music at templetonthompson.com. Of course, that was Guardian Angel. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. It's the Western episode. We have my friend Tara here with us, and we do this the usually the fourth Tuesday of the month. We'll just make believe it's that right now, and <laughs> then we're not late. So uh, That's why, right. Kara wants to know the baby's name and how old, because, you know, they love babies. Yes. So Vivian, and she will be a year old September 2nd. And, uh, our, well, you got another couple of years out of diapers. You've been in diapers yeah. for a long time, haven't you, really? I mean, I've, yeah, I've been in diapers for the last, not me, but our family <laughs> has been purchasing them for five years. So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> that, will be a, that will be like a raise when that happens. Yes, that's exactly. No longer an issue. Yeah. Hey, I had a question about yeah. the girth. Yeah. Um, so, do you have like do you have to have it completely off the saddle before you change the lining out or can you change the lining out while it's still attached on one side? Depends you know? how well trained your horse is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I just didn't know how it Jennifer, worked. Jennifer, because... uh, Jennifer's trying to talk but she's on mute. Jennifer, do you have a oh. comment about this? Yeah, I'm on mute. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you do not have to take it completely off the saddle. I agree. I'm pretty sure. The way it's designed. That's... Now, the reason I said that is I think so... it's velcroed on, so obviously you're going to get <laughs> So, yeah, you don't want your horse into the next county is why I'm saying that. Because what we do is every every horse that's in training, they have their own cinch. So, you know, we're always having to change out. Like it just takes, you know, an extra two minutes or whatever to to change out the cinch, even though, like, you know, in addition to saddling and all of that. So uh, that would just that would be a really nice feature for us. Now, so. which one, so they have the neoprene, the wool, and, and the wool fleece, wool felt and wool fleece. Which one would you think you would use more often? Probably the fleece. We use we use mohair or we use like the wool fleece. We use those two kind of cinches. Okay, cool. I know yeah. a lot of horses are, you know, have a problem with neoprene and then some don't. You know, it depends on yes. the horse. Well, that's yeah. very cool. Well, you're, we're going to get you one so that you, you'll get to test it out and try it out. <clears throat> and you can okay. talk about it on the next show. Sounds good. Well, your guest well, is ready. Okay. Well, I'd like to introduce Emily Kitching uh, from Eclectic Horseman. I just what I when Glenn asks for me to to find a guest for the show, I just like to find folks that are doing a lot of really unique things in the horse industry. And Emily is someone who is knowledgeable about horses and is a horsewoman herself, but she has a whole other level of skills and expertise when it comes to websites and videos. And so, uh, welcome Emily this morning. Thank you for joining us. Sure. Good morning. (laughs) So Emily, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and eclectic horsemen, and I guess more first about you, how about that? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, well, I got my start with horses at a pretty young age. My mom had a horse that she'd had her whole life and we rode. Um, and then I started riding dressage when I was in junior high and then eventually found my way to starting a colt in a Buck Brandman clinic when I was um, 13 or 14. 
and sort of got hooked on to um, that style of horsemanship at, at a pretty young age. And so then I rode horses all through college and have, have had my own horse and ridden other people's horses um, since then. And so it's been really a passion of mine for about 30 years now, which is a little bit uh, shocking to say. <laughs> and then how did you get into like because now something that your is your passion is also part of your your business. So how did you come about going from dressage riding to colt starting to producing the eclectic horseman among other things? Sure. Um, when I was in high school, there was a local publishing company that was starting up a magazine, and um, and I applied for a job there and, and ended up doing some freelance work. It was a publication called The Trail Less Traveled. And I worked there um, through high school and did some freelance work. And then um, worked for them right uh, out of college and um, really enjoyed combining my passions. I, I went to college um, for a journalism degree and, and working for them sort of combined my love of writing with my love of writing and um, being able to use the knowledge that I had uh, from the horses in that way. Uh, Then um, things started to change, uh, shift there. They were moving to an advertising format, and I wasn't really comfortable with the changes that were going on. And so uh, being a 25-year-old and not really knowing what I was getting myself into, I said, hey, I can do this on my own. Uh, so I started my own magazine and kept the independent, uh, non-advertising format and um, started my own magazine back in 2001. And that is Eclectic Horseman? That right? is Eclectic Horseman. And so, and- yeah, this is our, we're starting our 17th year of publishing um, and we come out bi-monthly and we have information on um, all sorts of topics ranging from sort of philosophical to, to how to, and I try and have a balance between um, different skill levels and different disciplines, um, drawing on lots of different resources. That's one thing that I love whenever I read, read the magazine or I watch the, the DVD version is that it comes from different disciplines and, you know, different presenters, but yet it's all, you know, it's all some of the same school of thought and, and putting the horses, you know, confidence first and things like that. So what does eclectic mean? Because I know sometimes when I talk to people about eclectic horsemen, I have to repeat it, you know, like, cause there was that movie, <laughs> right? There was a movie, the electric horseman or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we do occasionally get subscription renewal checks made out to the electric horseman. When so I yeah. first saw it, that's <laughs> what I thought. I thought of the electric horseman too. <laughs> I, I was there. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and so eclectic means drawing from a variety of sources, but only the very best. And so when I was first sort of hatching this idea of what I wanted to do on my own. I had a good friend that, that was a accomplished journalist himself and he's, he's the one who named it. And he said, you know, this is a good name. And, and I've sort of fought with folks right at the beginning, you know, they're like, it's a hard word, it's a mouthful. And, and sort of my feeling was, well, if, if somebody's not willing to learn a new vocabulary word, then probably what we are about is not going to be for them anyway, because we're really, (laughs) focused on learning new things and challenging sort of 
what you what you accept um, and sort of um, not doing things the way you've always done them just because that's the way you've always done them. And so it sort of works on a lot of levels, I feel like, for, for our company. And there, when when I hear the term magazine, I think, you know, paper, cover. Uh, w- William has just started kindergarten, and he came home the other night, and he said, Mom, this is the spine, and this is the front cover, and this is the back cover. So, like, that's what I think of when I think of magazine. But you also offer something different, right? Well, we have we have the printed magazine that that comes out every other month, and then we also have a DVD series that we produce called the Horseman's Gazette, and that comes out quarterly. And uh, what we do is we film uh, segments, which are sort of video video magazine articles, um, with a lot of the same resources that we use in the magazine. I found um, we we started doing some work producing DVDs for our resources separate from what we do, and I really discovered the power of video to help communicate ideas. Um, and that's really my whole mission is is education. And so I was like, hey, this is a great tool, and I can really show some things that I, I'm not able to communicate in print. And so. I said, "Hey, why don't we why don't we try this?" And so we have um, that as a subscription as well. And and quite a few of our folks they subscribe to both the magazine and the DVD series because they really complement each other. The content doesn't overlap, but but it sort of supports each other uh, in the educational process. And you you help design websites for people and DVD like and and producing DVDs and filming and all of that. Did you, was it self-taught or did you take some classes along the way or like, how did you develop those skill sets or is that part of what you did in your journalism major? No, um, it's really sort of that, um, taking on a job and then learning the skills that you need in order to, to complete that and, and really, um, having that the the pressure of of needing to complete something to to be able to learn it and all of what we've done is self taught as far as the the publishing and um, and yeah it's amazing how fast the technology changes when I started I the company had five or six employees and now it's really you know my husband and I uh, work together he's really the computer genius and he he built our website and we have we have about fifty clients that we build and host and maintain their websites. Most of them are in the horse world, but not all of them. So between the two of us, I mean, it really is a small family business. And uh, my daughter goes with us a lot uh, when we go film. Um, So it's nice to be able to work together. And where are you based out of? We live uh, just outside a little town called Elbert. It's um, it's right on the northern edge of the Black Forest, right above Colorado Springs, and it's really a nice rural area. Lots of uh, horses in the backyards, and and lots of people with um, sort of that Western lifestyle, which is great. Do you do you do working dogs too? For some reason, I thought I remembered that. Yeah, I have. I have my my girls are getting older, so um, I do love uh, working stock dogs, and it's really I find there's a lot of overlap between the horses and the dogs, and it's really exciting to compare sort of the training philosophy 
Um, but right now, I'm right now I'm starting to look for a new puppy. So um, we'll uh, we'll look for the next project here soon. Do you what kind of breed do you have of dog? I have I have two kel I have two kelpies right now. Um, and one of, and which is really fun. I, I feel like they're border collies with a sense of humor. They they always (laughs) keep me laughing and they're, they, they work a little bit different than the border collies, but, um, but that's a fun challenge. Um, but I'll probably look for another border collie. We, we lost a a good dog about a year and a half ago. And so, um, I had to wait a little bit before we look for the next one. Yeah. So what's one of the most unique places that you've gone to? to film a segment or to do an article for, for the magazine? Cause you travel, mm, I mean, you, question. you travel to a lot yeah, of we, events and to, for your content. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we had the opportunity to film, um, several DVDs with Martin Black on the historic Alvord ranch. And that really, um, on, in the Southeastern part of Southwestern, excuse me, part of Oregon, <laughs> And that is really, it was really an amazing spot and, you know, two and a half hours from any kind of town, really remote and, and just amazing. So that, that was really a fun place to go that I wouldn't probably have had the opportunity to go to if it weren't for, for doing the work. And, um, and so I was really excited to have that chance. And we took the whole family. Sydney was just a year when we went and filmed there for the first time. And so she was in the backpack while I was filming and, and it was quite an adventure. Cool. And what does it, was it, what time of year did you go? Is it, was it, I'm just wondering if it was cold. We were talking about Idaho the other day and we we're talking about, Oh, oh, gotcha. No, it was in the, it was, Oh, I think it was early June and it was, it was pretty warm. Um, it was, it was a hot, it was a hot project. <laughs> when you, <laughs> When you go out to to film, do you like with the horses and stuff? Because that would be a ton of acreage to cover a project. Or did you stay in one area, or did you have to like so, t- take your so gear? That project, yeah, yeah. So that project we were doing um, roping uh, DVDs, and so we were filming out. Uh, they had the cattle roe deer out in the giant pasture, and so yeah, that time we had four wheelers. Um, and we hauled all the gear on a four wheeler out to where we were filming. Um, and so, yeah, I think my, I think my camera boxes still have mud on the outside from, from that project. Um, and so, and and for the most part, it it just really depends on the subject matter. I, I did another, um, video with Martin up in Idaho and we had to load up the ranch truck and, climb some pretty steer- serious four-wheel drive trails in the truck to be able to haul all the gear up there. And so it's fun. It's, it's always an adventure to figure out the logistics. <laughs> you were saying that you had to stand on a huge pile of hay sometime, one time and you're like, <laughs> I'm getting up there to film and then I'm not getting up there again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was here in, um, just down outside of Peyton and we had a big semi truck with some giant hay bales on top and I was perched up there and I I don't really love heights. And so it was, um, it was a test of (laughs) being able to focus on what I was doing and yeah, we got what we needed and I got down and I didn't get back up. (laughs) Very good. Well, where, where can folks find out about eclectic, eclectic horsemen, Emily? Probably the best place is to just check out our website, which is just eclectic, 
www.horseman.com. And it's got all the information there about our, our magazine and our videos and our services. Um, and we also have quite a bit of online content that's not in the magazine that's just relevant to this kind of horsemanship and the community um, around it. Cool. Well, Emily, we, we thank you for joining us. And I just, I love how, how much there is out there available to, for people who are into horses from being able to do podcasts and learning about what's going on in the industry and there's training in podcasts and then there's, there's magazines and there's DVD magazines. And anyway, I just, I think it's amazing what's, what's available to us as horse people as resources. And so thank you for taking the time to to share with this about you and, and what you do. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Take, take care. Thanks. Well, there you go. I didn't know about that one. And when I first read it, I read electric horseman too. So I know I didn't even know there was a movie called electric horseman. And then my dad told me about it. And I, I think thought you're you got a little kidding. young for that one. Probably. But we watched it. And oh, did you? the last, yeah, we, we, we bought the DVD and, uh, I just got a kick out of the last part, like where the horse is running free, but it's obviously on a loop. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, he's, it's, it's like it was a three bit. Three strides over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit Monty Python, you know, where the, the guy keeps coming over the hill over and over and over. If It was like that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's uh, let's call it a day. I was just reading here, too, that the Houston Zoo now is starting to flood, located near the medical center that was evacuated. Some animal enclosure boats were filled with water, but the animals are all safe inside. They left a crew of 30 people to ensure the safety of its 6,000 animals. So wow. Busy 30 people over the last couple of days, I'm assuming, keeping an eye on making sure the, the uh, tigers and lions don't drown or get out. <clears throat> it's probably a good thing. Gosh. Yeah, I know. Talk about a lot of work and mess to clean up later. Jeez. Well, again, our best to everybody down in Texas. We're thinking about you. Thank you so much, Tara. I know you got a show to get to. You have yeah, well, to thank uh, you. head out. and do. Are you showing or is just husband showing? Just Trevor this time. Yeah. Well, Trevor and a, and a couple of, of students. So. Oh, cool. Well, you have fun and good luck, and we'll talk to you again next month. Okay. All right. Thank thanks, y'all. everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Western episode. Are you still there? I am.